0: Hello, welcome back to One Day You'll Thank Me. My name is Dr. Tara Egan, and I am here as your host, and I'm here with my co-host, Anna. Hey, everyone. So this is our second start, and she had a funnier <laughs> intro a minute ago, and now she won't do it. I don't
1: know, well, Okay.
0: Well, let's talk about today's episode. We're going to do a solo episode, and we're going to talk about... Virtual learning! That was the first time we ever did that. I know. Mm -hmm. We rocked it. High five. Yeah, for real. That that was was lame. There (laughs) we go. (laughs) So we're talking about virtual learning because, one, Anna is experiencing it. She's fully remote. Mm -hmm. She's now a couple weeks in. And then in my work as a therapist, I have worked with dozens of clients over the last month. And I wanted to put together just some top tips, you know, top tips for parents to consider to make virtual learning as successful as possible. So the thing is, is of course every child's different and it can be greatly impacted by your child's developmental level, like their age and their personality, whether or not they have any complicating variables like ADHD or anxiety or a little sister who's walking around in the background, whatever. So I do want to keep in mind that even though we're giving some general recommendations, of course, everybody's circumstances are pretty different. So tell us a little bit, Anna, about your experience so far. It's definitely
1: different. It's definitely going to take some time to get used to it and get used to the whole routine. I don't even have a routine down, But I think that everybody just needs to learn how to adjust to it and I feel like everybody's learning, even our teachers,
0: to just try your best. I feel like one of the things that's the most stressful for you is the translation of directions. teacher might feel that their directions are really clear, mm-hmm. but then you're not sure, and then if you check with peers, they have a different perspective. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's just really confusing sometimes because you can't just walk up to them and be like, Hey, I didn't really understand this. Do you mind explaining it to me and then making sure I understand? It's more of like try to figure out on your own if you can't, ask a peer can't, try emailing a teacher, but the teacher might not answer for a few hours, so then you're kinda of just left wondering if you're doing something right or wrong.
0: And so Well, and some kids really struggle with sending email.
1: Yeah, I had to help Dylan send an email the other day.
0: Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. it's funny you told me that you gave him directions and Start it respectfully and end it graciously. Mm-hmm. And then I sent him a well, I guess it was a meme, but it was like tips on how to email your teacher. And he's like, This is so really helpful. Oh okay. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. So, but yeah, but some kids are so terrified. Like they feel like if they have to email their teacher, that means almost like they're in trouble or they did something wrong, versus giving the teacher feedback that the directions might not be clear.
1: Sometimes I feel like I'm bothering the teacher. I like emailing them multiple times because I feel like there's so many students. So for my school, we do either A day or B day. And so for two days a week, you can either go to school, use Google Meet, which is basically Zoom for two days. And then the other three days are independent. And so during the independent days, I feel like if I'm constantly emailing my teacher, I'm almost bothering them because they also have classes.
0: They're teaching the B days
1: too. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And... There's just so many other students that need help too. So
0: I just, I don't know, feel like I'm just adding on extra work for them. Well, the thing is is sometimes it's important for the school district to understand what the demand is on the teacher Mm -hmm. so that they can make modifications. Like there's some school districts that are not having teachers teach both in person and remote. So like your teachers teach A-Day students on Monday and Tuesday. And then Wednesday seems to be more of an open day for office hours and specialized instruction. Mm-hmm. And then they've got a whole other set of students on Thursday and Friday versus other teachers are just doing remote and that's all they do. And they don't have to switch back and forth. So, like, if you're struggling and you, and you communicate with them about it, then it's going to be better for them to make adjustments, even for second semester. Mm-hmm. So, okay. anyway,
1: yeah. Just a learning curve for everyone.
0: So like on a scale of 1 to 10, if 10 is it's awesome, you love it, you totally do it next year of free will, and 1 is you hate it and want to become a high school dropout and live under a bridge, where are you?
1: Um, probably 5. Okay. Like there's pros and cons for each other. There's pros because if you're virtual, you're home all the time, and not in your own environment, so you can work independently.
0: You'll wear pajamas.
1: Yeah, exactly. But then there's cons because you miss the physical contact of having your peers in the class with you who can help and being able to walk up to your teacher and being able to smile at them in the hallway and turn in your homework in person and show them that you actually did it. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know. Don't you have one class and only has four students in it? Yeah, my Spanish class. There's two kids in the class, like in person, and then there's two kids. It's me and another girl who are on the computer.
0: Mm -hmm. But then you have a chemistry class that has 30 kids. Yeah. Mm. It's crazy. Okay. Well, I appreciate you giving us your input. Let's talk about specific tips. So I came up with five to talk about today. The first one, and once again, I want you to jump in and tell me your perspective, is if possible, if you have a home that Is conducive to this is to have a designated space where you do your work. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And the reason for this is one, it's just like the culture of the home, right? Like that space is school space. It's set aside, you sort of respect it. You also, if you can leave your materials there, you don't waste a lot of time like setting up and taking down. Because that can actually take up a considerable portion of time every day, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're moving it off the dining room table. I also think that you can choose carefully as far as where there's few distractions. Mm -hmm. So, why don't you tell people about the space that you have at our house?
1: Yeah, at our house I have like this little desk area outside of my room.
0: It's like we have like an alcove in our hallway.
1: Yeah. It's really nice. I really enjoy it. But at my dad's house, my desk is in my room. Mm -hmm. And... My brother will come in and be like, I don't understand why you sit in your chair because I have like, a really cool chair in the corner of my room and do your school up there. And I'm like, I don't know, I'm kind of in the mindset on my desk. I'm kind of, I know I have paper there if I need to take notes. I know that everything's in one spot, whereas going back and forth from the chair to my desk is just too much. So I think that just having one space where everything is, everything's organized, and then you're kind of in the mindset of being ready for school is really important.
0: Why don't you tell people about your multiple screen setup?
1: <laughs> yeah. Your battle station. I love it. But I have, my school gave me a Chromebook. So I have a Chromebook for school. And then I have my mom's old computer that I use. And then my stepdad actually got me a monitor. So I have like three screens almost. Where I have like my Google Classroom on one screen. And my assignment on another screen. And my notes on another screen. And so that definitely helps because having everything in front of you just laid out just feels a lot more organized.
0: Yeah, you're definitely in the mindset of school when you're sitting there. Yeah, but it can definitely get overwhelming, don't get yeah. me wrong. No, oh, I know. You can tell everybody about to argument at the other night.
1: Oh, boy. Okay, so the other night, I'm working on homework at like 11 o'clock at night because I was really stressed out because I was feeling behind. And my mom comes up and starts getting upset at me and saying that I've spent too much time and that I'm not balanced enough between having schoolwork and doing non-schoolwork things. So she got really upset at me, and I got really upset at her because she was not understanding that I need to get schoolwork done. She just thought that I was a lollygagging and
0: not doing Well, it's not that I thought you were stalling or getting off task, but I felt that you were spending excessive time being very meticulous with each assignment.
1: Well, if the assignment's due, and I'm going to do it right, so... Well, we're
0: going to work on that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we had a moment. Yeah, not fun. No. So designated space, few distractions. For little kids, I found, like when I'm working with elementary students, is they are very wiggly. you know, just developmentally not really realistic to think that they're going to be able to like sit with their bottom in a chair. And if you think of like kindergarten, first, second, and even third grade classrooms, they are often moving every mm, about 15 minutes. They're transitioning from the carpet to a desk. They're going from this desk where they were working independently over to a table where the teacher's working with a small group or they move to a spot on the floor where they're doing a group project with other students. So, to have a child in elementary school not wiggle is not realistic so i've encouraged parents to use alternate seating options you know so it might be where they sit on a stool it could be they sit in a comfy chair that has arms and kind of holds them a little bit more closely it could be that they sit and bounce on a yoga ball it could be where parents put some tape on the floor and just kind of put a little box area and tell them like as long as you're in this box so that we know you're close enough to the computer to actually see and participate, that's good enough. So really making sure that parents are mindful of the need for kids to move. And I know that everybody's sort of need for organization is a little bit different, but having those tools on hand so you're not spending a lot of time looking for a marker or where's the lined paper and things like that so so kids can prioritize, they can make their list of things to do. They can prioritize the assignments that are due earlier, you know, get those done first, and that they're in the mindset of doing school when they're sitting in that space. So, what are
1: you thinking? I don't really relate to the little kids thing, but I do understand that you need to move sometimes. You can just stay still for however many an hours, not.
0: not. Well, think of Dylan. He's always stood. His yeah. teachers have always kind of put him over to one side and he's always had mobility. And even now, where he does his work, he's in the bonus room. Mm-hmm. And he flips himself around on the couch and stuff like that. Yeah. So second tip is that kids really do need to have like a beginning defined part of their day. Where they preferably are doing their schoolwork in the morning just because that's how school is, regular mm-hmm. school is. They get up, maybe they shower or wash up, they make sure to eat enough to be a good learner because we you know kids who don't eat anything sacrifice attention and concentration. That's the most important meal of the day. Yep, and there's a lot of debate, especially in older kids. I'm like, they don't eat it, and I want to eat in the morning. It doesn't have to be mm-hmm. anything fancy. I mean, it could be a protein bar or a thing of yogurt or something, but just something to sort of stimulate. Their body, get their digestive system moving so that they can. Give them some energy. Yeah, yeah. And then fresh clothes. Like, I don't really have any opinion of whether kids are putting on jeans and a polo shirt or if they're putting on Hello Kitty pajamas. I just like them to be fresh clothes, whether or not the same clothes they slept in. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm all for kids being comfortable. I remember
1: last year when we first went virtual, I had a daytime pajama pants
0: and a nighttime. So, today, you're not really fresh hitting it out of the park.
1: Thanks, Mom. Well. No, I'm just kidding. It's Friday. I'm kind of struggling right now with my schoolwork. I just need to get it done so that I can focus on
0: everything else. We had that great plan this morning working out. Yeah, and then you came up. Then <laughs> <laughs> I was like, move over. Yeah. <laughs> I you and I was like, oh, she's so warm. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah, that was a fail. Um, okay. Yeah
1: your all of our muscle. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I'm showered. I look gorgeous. <laughs> um, okay. So we have designated space. Start your day with a defined acknowledgement that it's a school day. And also just respecting that kids need different things. I mean, some people really can be quite alert with 10 to 15 minutes startup and other people really benefit from having like an hour. You know, when yeah. they walk the dog, they sit around, they need to mosey around and dance along to the music in the bathroom. All of those things are fine. Just being responsive to what it is that you and your kid needs. And just using
1: your time wisely. And you have to mosey around a little bit so have to wake up whatever an hour before school starts then wake up an hour before school starts instead of 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Prioritize what you need to get done.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Hey, this will be a good time for us to take a little break. We'll be right back.
1: Hey, listeners. Did you know that only about 50% of registered voters actually cast their vote?
2: I vote in every election.
1: And I'm so jealous that I'm not old enough to vote yet.
2: Election Day is Tuesday, November 3rd. It's almost here. You probably already know which candidates you support. But you need to check and make sure that you're registered to vote. And clear your schedule. And if you vote in person, make sure to wear your mask. And tell your friends to vote, too. Voting is your right, but you have to exercise it. So go out there and vote.
0: All right, third tip is about technology. So prior to virtual learning, most of the time when kids were on technology at home, it was fun. It was relaxing. It was playing video games, Snapchatting your friends, watching TV movies, Mm -hmm. zoning on YouTube, looking at TikTok videos, whatever it was. And now all of a sudden, kids are supposed to spend hours a day being attentive, doing harder tasks, self-pacing, showing initiative, managing frustration. And suddenly technology time doesn't look the same anymore. So I want to encourage parents to recognize, like, they really do need to prioritize the academic-based technology time first. Because as much as kids think they can do technology time, like, all day, every day, the fact is, is that when it's more challenging, and it requires their concentration, and their tolerance of having to persist with tough tasks, if you, let's say, have a student who has a flexible schedule like you, Anna, today, you don't have to be in front of Zoom at any particular time. No. So you can structure your time your own way, right? Mm-hmm. So this is why we're podcasting at noon. Yeah. But if you got on technology and play video games, let's say you got up at nine and played video games till eleven thirty or twelve, and then you're like eating lunch, and now you're supposed to sit down and do challenging yeah. work. You've kind of burned some of your technology, like tolerance, on your gaming. Oh. So we do have to have kids understand that the school stuff comes first. Mm -hmm. Then when it's done, whatever's sort of left in your cup, you can fill with the fun type of technology. Yeah. Versus letting them get worn out. They're just mentally fatigued Mm -hmm. from the stimulation of technology and then not having enough left over for school
1: I know that after a while, I'll get like a headache or my eyes will just kind of not fully work when after I spend a lot of time on technology. You're not wearing those cute nerd glasses I thought you? were are well, supposed to
0: protect your, from like, blue light or
1: something? Yeah. I haven't, Well, this week hasn't been as bad, but the first week was rough because of transitioning from not as much tech time to almost... Whatever I do, like eight hours or so, probably more than that, of being on the computer, I mean it, it hurt kind
0: of. That's how I felt when we went to quarantine and I started doing my sessions on Zoom. Those mm-hmm. first few weeks, I was exhausted. Yeah, like I felt absolutely wrecked by the end of the day. Yeah, I don't feel that way anymore.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely got more used to it, mm-hmm. but I definitely need some breaks where I'm not looking at the screen a long time.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I mean, you do have to give that mental break. And, it, and candy and ice cream, at least you got that big screen. Yeah. So, but yeah, you'll build up a tolerance. And now it's just not a thing that exhausts me anymore. Yeah. So, all right, fourth point. Let's talk a little bit about breaks. Tell me about the breaks you take.
1: Well, when I do like Google Meets or Zoom calls, I have 10 minutes between each class, and then I have 40 minutes for lunch or something. And so usually between the two classes, and some of my teachers let me out 10 minutes earlier than the actual 10 minutes. So I'll end up having like 20 minutes. I'll either try to prepare everything I need to before the next class, or I'll go get up and pet the dog for a little bit, or I text my friends, see if they're ready for a new class. I don't know. I just try to do something other than schoolwork. Even though sometimes I'm trying to catch up, but I really think that I feel better when I just take a 10 minute break
0: Just step away from everything and try to take my mind off of all the things I still need to do. Yeah, once again, I really relate to this with my sessions. Sometimes I have a few minutes break, and there's times I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go check on the kids. I'm gonna let the dog out. I'm gonna eat something, whatever it is. Yesterday, I had a break, and I just, you know, how I sit in that—it's kind of like a Mm -hmm. recliner—and I like just tilted it back, and I just like lay there with my eyes closed. I turned my (laughs) alarm on. I wasn't sleeping. I just was like disconnected. Mm, yeah. And then Pete came in and I'm sure he was like, why are you sleeping? Here all the day?" <laughs> and I was like, so not equipped to even like have a conversation yeah. about what I was doing. But to take that break is really important. And for little kids, I hate even to say little kids, if you can incorporate a physical component to it, I mean, I have a client yeah. whose son goes and has lunch with the boy next door. They have like a little park, you know, just mm-hmm. like a neighborhood playground is right there. And both moms pack them a lunch, and every day they both oh. take their lunch out and sit on the bench, and, you know, they hop around and yeah. all of that, and it's just, like, outdoor time because they have 45 minutes. Wow. Yeah. And I, you ever notice I go out on the patio and I just, like, sun myself? Yeah. Far? But it really is important that you take those breaks and that there, there be a physical component that's pulling you away from the screen and doing something else.
1: I know that if, like, I'll catch myself sometimes, I'll be, like, working on the same thing for, like, a long time or I'm just getting frustrated and frustrated and just like okay I just need to step away and go cuddle with the cat for 10 minutes because I'm getting too overwhelmed about this math problem or I'll spend so long on this project it's finally done I'm like okay that's done I don't have to worry about it anymore let me go see what Dylan's doing or yeah. go find mom and see what she's up to
0: yeah well, earlier you we were frustrated at Spanish. Yeah. And I was like, well, oh, do you need more time? We can podcast later. And you're like, no, I need a break. <laughs> so we came in here. This is your break. Yes. Oh, okay. And it's an educational break. That's true. Okay. When it comes to breaks, incorporating movement, change of pace, it'd be great if there was outside time. But I don't want breaks just to be more tech. And it also can pull kids into that zone. So if you're like, all right, you have a 45-minute lunch break, and they go play Fortnite, they don't want Mm -hmm. it to be done, and they really didn't get a break. So that can be hard to explain that to kids, but it really can make a difference in their mood and their ability to persist with Mm tasks. Okay, number five. So this is my big tip. Okay, so this is the reason why we actually had this episode, because it's a conversation I've had. Many, many times over the last couple of weeks with parents, especially in the range of later elementary school into middle school is I've seen, and I see this on Facebook too, is that let's say parents are working from home because if you have kids who are doing remote learning and they're younger, you can't just leave them home alone. So you, mm-hmm. parents are working from home. So they have their desk, you know, their office, and then they have this like, other desk right next to their desk, and that's where their kid sits. And where this is a concern of mine is that when mom or dad is basically within arm's reach, every time the child gets frustrated or has a moment where they're uncertain, they immediately reach out to mom and dad mm-hmm. for help. And their problem solving ability. Like even some of my clients over the last month or so, like their ability to problem solve is reducing. They're becoming dependent on their parent, and then if the parent can't be or won't be responsive immediately, then we dissolve into tears. They might be pounding their hands on the desk, curling up under the desk, or just kind of refusing or flipping off their camera and just like I'm not doing this, and it's kind of theatrical. And so, of course, parents don't want them to stop school, so then they're being really accommodating, they're redirecting, they're soothing. And even though virtual learning is such a different experience than being in the classroom with the teacher and sort of having the peer pressure of the kids around you doing something, kids can do something. And the teachers have been generally encouraged to give assignments that kids have a chance of doing independently. And I know there's different learners out there, and not every kid is the same. But if the assignments that your child is being tasked with are so difficult that you have to do hand over hand, if you keep doing hand over hand, the teacher's not going to understand that these assignments are outside of your child's skill level. And they will keep giving assignments like that. And so it's important that your children have a chance to work on the assignment, you know, relatively independently turn it in, and have the teacher see the quality of their work. And if they have poor quality, it might be they didn't understand the directions. It could be because they are behind academically, or it could be that this assignment wasn't appropriate to their grade level. And no disrespect to teachers, but they're having to modify these assignments and make them appropriate for virtual learning. And there's going to be some hits, and there's going to be some misses. But if parents are taking over and filling in the gap, the teacher may not be getting the information that he or she needs to appropriately modify the assignments. So set up that workspace for your kid. Make sure they have what they need at their fingertips. Designate some specific times that you're going to check in on them. So it might be, let's say they start at 9, and you're going to check in after each class, or you're going to check in mid-morning, at lunch, and then mid-afternoon. So they know there's going to be a point when you're going to be there to answer questions but you're not at their beck and call. Mm-hmm. And so you're teaching them like, what coping are you going to do? Like, what's the strategy you're going to do if you can't log in? What's the strategy you're going to do if you get stuck on a math problem or you try to submit an assignment and it won't work? And some kids are too young to really email the teacher, but a lot of kids, you know, once they get to second, third, fourth grade, they absolutely can learn how to the link and send that teacher a message and say, can't turn in work, and it doesn't need to be any more complicated than that. So giving them the direction to persist, but also telling them how to manage the emotion. Dylan was talking one day about how in the classroom, there's just more stuff to do. There's people to look around. Yeah, you get materials, and, and you have just different items on your desk, and it was like, it just feels like there's a lot of just sitting there. And so we talked about like what can you do? Can you draw on your paper? Can you work on a puzzle like that's not taxing? Not like a 500.
1: Yeah. He's told me that he's mm-hmm. he done push-ups and he's done like jumping jacks or I don't know. If he's just gotten up and just like walked a little bit. We can still hear his mm-hmm. clap, He can still be there.
0: But he's still just yeah moving or doing yeah. something else. I mean, I, I, he's just not meant to do it how you do it, where you sit in your nerdy seat with your battle station and your notebooks and your pens all lined up and, and just push it out. So that's why he's permitted to like sit on the couch and sometimes he's sitting on linen, and sometimes his feet are up. And at our schools, the kids don't leave their cameras on.
1: Yeah. So exactly.
0: they, it was cited to me in an email with a teacher that it's something about a privacy issue. So if he's doing push-ups, he's not bothering anybody. No. And so... Whereas other schools, you know, they're absolutely requiring cameras to be on, especially because of like Zoom bombing and things like that. But the gist to this is make sure that you don't take away or undermine your kids' ability to show age appropriate independence. You know, I recognize this comes from a place of stress for parents. You know, they're very nervous their kids are going to have this year be a wash where they're not going to learn what they need to or they're going to feel really sad over the fact that their school experience is so different. And I understand that as a parent, you know, it is difficult to see how our kids' lives have altered, but we need to have them feel competent. We need them to feel like they can be successful and that they can persist and cope when things get difficult. And from what I've seen, and I know I'm not across the country, teachers are not interested in handing out big fat zeros. They're not interested in kids hating school or stepping away from it and giving up they want kids to feel successful. And if your child has special needs, you know, maybe they really struggle with anxiety. Maybe attention and focus are an issue for them and they need some sort of specialized modifications. We do have something in the United States called a five and four plan. Not every kid qualifies. Most don't, in fact. But if your child does, if they have a medical condition or an educational disability and they need some sort of accommodations, there's ways to get that And the accommodations that are granted may look very different when it comes to accounting for virtual learning. But with a little bit of thinking outside of the box, there may be some things that can be done to support your kids in that environment. So just keep that in mind. If you're local here to North Carolina or you want to shoot me an email to ask more about that, then of course let me know because I think that's a topic we could talk more about, about how to think outside of the box when it comes to 504 planning for students. So I am offering, just as a little side note, a webinar series for parents where I think I'm going to do it every week, but I'm going to see what the response is, if it's going to be every week or every other week, or I'm just going to take a small topic and get on a Zoom call, talk a little bit and give some information about that topic, and then give parents a chance to do a question and answer session via Zoom. So that will probably be one of the topics that we talk about because I'm hearing a lot of questions. About it in real time therapy practice. So stay tuned, look at my website or look at the Facebook and Instagram page to sign up for those weekly webinars because they're starting in two weeks. So by the time this airs, though, I think they're already going to be going. But if you'd like to participate in those, I would love to have you there. All right, we talked about our five strategies. Anything else you want to say? Any tips you have for high schoolers? about how to manage all this?
1: I think one of the most important things I've learned so far is that your friend and your peers can definitely help a lot. I had one of my friends text me the other day, and she knew that I was overwhelmed with Spanish work. And she's in my Spanish class, but just a different period. And she was like, I know that you're stressed out, so text me if you need anything I already worked on our warm-up so if you have any questions you need any help let me know and I do the same thing with her like the other day she was having a hard time with one of our worksheets and I just helped her and I was like okay like let's work this on together and same with any classes Mm -hmm. just texting a friend or facetiming a friend can just go a really long way
0: yeah
1: you kind of have to make your own teacher out of it especially on the independent days me and one of my friends were like teaching each other almost my geometry and so also being organized is really important because I know that the other day I like, didn't have my Spanish notes in order or something, and it took me a really long time to like figure out where exactly I was going to find my notes and like, where it's at. Like,
0: that your notes
1: weren't organized? Yeah, my notes weren't organized, and so when I was doing this whole worksheet, I like couldn't find them in the right place that I thought they were, mm-hmm. so I spent a long time looking for them and trying to figure out if I was doing the right thing, and it just took- Stressful. Me, yeah. Just took some extra time, and so just being organized and knowing where everything is can definitely help.
0: So, how many times have you cried since online learning started? One. One? When was it? When you yelled at me. I didn't yell at you. you felt yelled at because I don't often express concern or disapproval.
1: I did not. <laughs> <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> well, you worked it out.
1: And a good night's
0: sleep probably helped. Yep. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening today. If you've learned any tips that would be helpful for kids out there or parents, please come and visit our Facebook page or Instagram page and leave us a comment. And I'm still working on my Dr. Terry Egan page because I decided to make some changes. But there isn't a place for you to let me know if you have any questions or comments. We are winding down on season one. We have our final episode for season one. We feel, if we stay on schedule, we'll be the week of November 4th. I think it's Wednesday, November 4th. And then we'll probably roll right into season two. So if you think of topics that you want us to cover, let us know because we really want to make sure that this is a practical resource for all of you out there. So stay tuned for future episodes on Wednesdays. Yeah, make sure to leave a review on our podcast and...
1: Keep
0: listening.
2: Love you all. Love you too, Hey, listeners. Please join our free parenting webinar series. It's offered each Monday at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Please visit www drterriegan.com to register via zoom each webinar will offer a 15 to 20 minute presentation hosted by me followed by a 30 minute question and answer session if you can't join us live you'll be sent the recording directly to your email so you can watch it later at your convenience join our facebook page at dr Egan to get details about topics we'll be discussing in upcoming webinars this is my chance to meet you so please register today